If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter number 15. John, chapter number 15. Over the years, I've had the privilege of having two of my kids. All three of my kids competed at a high level, but two of them played collegiately. And one thing I learned is that even the off-season is a season. I've even watched as they put in probably more time in the off-season working out and preparing for the season. I've got some friends that play professional sports, and I've seen that happen, that no longer is there time to just completely take off. Actually, the off-season is very crucial preparation time for the season that is to come. I have also noticed that in my life and in the people that I pastor. And here's a word for me and also for you is that we can't skip a season. So we must make the most of every season or we will miss out on an opportunity in a coming season that God has for us. In John chapter 15, Jesus talks about the snipping away. He talks about seasons of our life where it seems like we're being cut back, cut off. But God has a purpose to it. Notice verse number one. It says, I am the true vine, the great vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Jesus is making clear here of a few things. One is that you and I are the branches. Secondly, that he is the grapevine or he is the vine. And thirdly, is that God the Father is the gardener. And he points out the cutting off and the cutting back. As he is letting us know that um, sometimes there's going to be snips that happen in our life. As he cuts off fruitless, fruitless branches, but he even cuts back fruitful branches so that they can produce even more. In other words, he cuts away the lifeless and he cultivates the living. In fact, write this down in your notes. God snips back only what is a loss to keep and what is a gain to lose. In other words, God is pruning. And today I want to talk to you about why God prunes or why God snips. And secondly, I want to talk about the outcome of his snipping process in our life. So the why and the outcome. So first off, in regards to the why that God snips or prunes or cut back, is that God is preparing you for something. God is preparing you for something. Matter of fact, you may say it this way, God maybe already has something prepared for you. He's just trying to get you ready to receive it. Now, I don't know about you, but... I don't like painting. Or let me just say this. I don't like the preparation to painting. My, my wife is the queen of painting. In fact, every house we've ever lived in, I mean, the whole house pretty much has been painted at some time. And even multiple times. In fact, several years back, whenever she 
it, it was probably 22 years ago. I've gone on a trip for a couple of days. I come back in. It's about 10 o'clock at night. Before I left, we talked about her painting the living room, but it was just a concept. It was just an idea. I come back after two days being gone. She's painted the entire living room. And as I arrive that night, I get home a little after 10 o'clock in the evening. I see her up on the ladder wrapping up the final details and touches on that living room. Now, you got to get that image, but get this image here. My wife on a ladder wrapping up the painting, but she's pregnant. Not one month, not two months, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, eight months, almost nine months pregnant. Yes. <laughs> now, it's not that I just despise painting. Matter of fact, if you throw me in a room and give me some paint and a paintbrush, I'll go at it. Slap paint. Go. But my wife, for some reason, feels like that we've got to properly prepare the entire room for painting. That means laying out all the plastic over all the carpet and covering everything, even if it's like 20 feet away. And then put in all the tape just right so that when you paint that, then you just peel it back and you have this beautiful line that's been created from your painting. That's the way my wife does it. I do not understand the benefits of that. I just don't get it. Just slap paint on. Sometimes the preparation process is not fun. But let me just tell you, avoiding the preparation process doesn't help you reach God's purpose and plans for your life. You see, I've met people single, like, I want to be married. And it's just, I'm so focused on the there that I cannot even prepare in the now. And let me just kind of say something to the single people in here. Oftentimes, we get this mindset, I've got to be married, I've got to be married, as if, like, that is going to be the fulfillment of your life, and you're going to be made complete. That spouse does not make you complete. And every single married person said amen to that. Your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. Because there are single people that are just begging for the there they want to be married. And then there's married people in the room that are just begging for the once was. <laughs> Even marriage is preparation to make you holy as he is holy. And there's nothing that stretches you more than the marriage experience. I just want to be happy, Pastor. Yeah, don't we all? Marriage is not just about your happiness. It's about your holiness. Well, that doesn't mean that you can't find a place where you're enjoying life and you're thriving together. But it's ultimately about you becoming more like Christ. Jobs. I want that job. I want this job. And God's saying, no, I'm trying to prepare you in the job you're in so that you can have another job down the road. I want this finances over here. And God's saying, no, I want you to learn how to use the little I've given you here so that I can bless you with more down there. I want this, and I, we're always look, looking there, and God's saying, no, now is where I'm working with you. I cannot work with you there when I have you here. So why don't you take here, take the full advantage of this season of your life to prepare for this other coming season in your life. Mm. Don't just try to get through. If you just try to get through a season, if I could just endure this season and get through this season, and you're still focused on that you can miss out on the preparation process. Be determined in the season you're in to get the most out of this season that God wants you to get out of it. And see, God doesn't waste a moment. 
Throughout the Bible, you find he, take, he takes advantage of every moment. Joseph is a great example of that. Joseph, God gave him a vision of what was going to be. He ends up in a pit. What did Joseph do? He made the most of the pit. The Lord was with him. He is sold into slavery. He makes the most of slavery. He goes into Potiphar's house. What is it? The Lord is with him. He rises to the top. He is continually there in the moment, making the most of the moment. He didn't lose sight of the vision of what was going to happen, but he is not living there. He is living fully in the present, preparing for what God has for him there. He goes to the prison unjustly, wrongfully committed into prison. He's there in prison. Again, the Lord is with him. He makes the most of it. He's put in the palace, and he's making the most of every moment. Preparation is the first thing. Second thing is this. Is it Juan? Why the pruning? Why the snipping? God is protecting you from something. God is protecting you. So being raised on a farm, we had oftentimes many, many acres of like cantaloupes. We had 40 acres. That, folks, that's a lot of cantaloupes. I don't know if you can understand, comprehend that. I, I was always amazed how we'd have these beautiful rows of cantaloupes. And as the vines begin to grow and begin to extend out, Dad would send out bunches of workers, and I would be one of them, and we would have to prune back the cantaloupes. Now, these are beautiful vines that are just expanding and growing. It could be like that big spread out, and Dad says, no, you need to take that out. No, you... And I struggled with that because they look so good. They look so wonderful. They were already starting to bloom, and Dad's saying, remove those plants. Remove them. It made no sense to me until my dad told me the purpose behind it because he explained to me is that if you let them continue to grow at a close space, then, then they begin to overlap each other and they actually begin to choke the life out of one another. And you're defeating the purpose. And the idea is you got to have so much space. And my dad, who's the expert farmer, not me, who had done years of this, knew the exact distance that each one of those cantaloupe plants needed so that they could produce the greatest harvest possible. Let me just tell you, your heavenly father knows exactly what you need. And he knows how to protect you, usually protecting you against you. Because your biggest enemy is not Satan, it's not somebody, it's not sickness, it's not something out there. Usually your biggest enemy is you. And he's protecting you against you. So that you can be fruitful down the road. And that you can prosper. See, pruning is part of the process that we must go through to realize God's purpose for our lives. Now, have you ever prayed prayers that God didn't answer? Anybody? I got three people in here. Now there's hands going up everywhere. <laughs> because all of us have prayers that we pray that God didn't answer. Now, sometimes I've prayed those prayers. As a matter of fact, a lot of my prayers that I look back on, I still don't know why. I prayed those prayers. I asked those prayers. I didn't get what I wanted, what I thought even from a heart that I thought was a pure heart. I was really wanting to, I didn't see it come like I wanted. But there are some things I look back on and I say, oh, God, thank you that you didn't answer my prayers. I had one situation when I was in college. I prayed for a relationship. God put this young girl in my life. I began to date her. Man, I just thought she was the most awesome thing. Then I met her brother, and I knew her brother ahead of time. Actually, we were best of friends. The family was awesome. Incredible things were happening. It was all just seemingly so great. And then the snip came. The relationship ended. I remember the grief, the loneliness, the pain that I felt for many months. Other godly people tried to speak into me saying, you know what? 
They could see something that I could not see because when you're in the middle of the emotional stuff, it's like a fog and you can't see what others can see around you. And so I'm right in the middle of this and other people are trying to convince me and I'm still going through the molly grubs for months and months and months. Then I move off to go to college and I, you know, start going to school and I meet this young, wonderful girl named Shannon. About 10 months later, I'm thinking, I need to ask her out. We go out. I look back now, and I am so thankful, so thankful the other thing didn't happen. And how many of you look at me right now and say, yeah, I'm glad you married her too? <laughs> you see, sometimes God's protecting us, and we don't even know what he's protecting us from. He's keeping us from pain and heartache. You see, nothing is removed from your life or comes into your life unless it's for your good and for God's glory. Did you hear that? You see, pruning is the preparation and protection for what God is producing in you. Which brings me to the last thought of this. Why? It's because God is producing something in you. Why is God pruning? It seems counterproductive, doesn't it? No, no, he's pruning away so that he can produce something in you. Has anyone here ever been at a public gathering with a bunch of people and you see this fruit on a table and you reach for the fruit to find out it's fake fruit? <laughs> anyone? Been a fool like me. And the moment you reach out there, like, and then you like, look around, is anybody watching you? It's kind of embarrassing. You know what I think we do, though? We, we live our life reaching for fruit that's not going to satisfy we reach for fame and fortune and friends and certain things in our life that thinking this is going to satisfy. And what we grab, we realize is not satisfied. Sometimes we hold it on and we show it off to everybody else and it's not satisfied. Matter of fact, we like to make people think that we're enjoying our journey and we're enjoying all that we have. And the truth of the matter is we're empty inside and we are really struggling because it is not satisfying. Because Jesus is the only one that can produce real fruit that's going to remain. And in this passage, the word remain is used. It's used again and again. And what Jesus is referring to is he's saying that the key to producing anything worth having must come through him. Look at verse number four. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you, what? Remain in me. I got this piece of tree here. Looking all pretty, isn't it? It's actually been snipped off a couple of days, and actually on the end it's starting to brown a little bit more. But every one of you look at this and realize it's not going to bear any fruit. It's not going to survive. It's not going to produce because it's cut away. It's not remaining in its vine, its source, because it must be connected to gain the nutrients, to gain the water, to gain the lifeblood that it needs to survive. You know that. I know that. What makes us think that we can be disconnected from Christ? And have anything that's really going to be worth anything in this life. Our nutrients flow from him. Our life blood flows from him. 
The Holy Spirit flows in us because it, of him. It is about being connected to him and him alone. Ten times in this passage that I'm going to be reading here, ten times, ten times, it says remain. Other translations may say abide. It's both the same concept. He's saying you must trust in me. You must depend on me. That's Jesus. You must drink of Jesus. You must love Jesus. You must love his words. You must remain and abide in him. I was thinking of a young boy this past week, high school kid several years ago in North Church that was on fire for Jesus. I mean, Wednesday nights, student ministry up the front, up the front on Sundays. Him and a best friend was just like always there, right smack dab in the middle of things. And his best friend moved away across the country. And I noticed right after the friend moved away that he began to wane a little bit in his excitement for Jesus. And after a few weeks, he wasn't sitting on the front row. And after a few more weeks, he wasn't attending regularly to North students. And after a few more weeks, just kind of started missing. And then all of a sudden, a few months later, is gone, is off the pages. Where, where, is, where is he? Where did he go? He, so he quits coming completely. And the next thing I heard, he's really not even living for Christ. Which makes me wonder, what was he really remaining in? Was he remaining in his best friend who was also passionate for Jesus and really it was about that relationship? Because it doesn't appear that he was remaining in Christ Jesus. Because if you're remaining in Christ Jesus, friend can go across the country, but you're still going to be raising your hands and loving Jesus and going after him. I, I think of a lady in the church that I, I, can just re, I can still remember the frustration that she constantly had and bringing it to me like, Pastor, my, my husband needs to be the spiritual leader. He needs to be this. He needs to be that. And he's not being this and all of this stuff. And she was so focused who he had a good man, a good man who provided for the family, a good man who was faithful, a good man who actually did come to church but wasn't what she expected. And I began to watch over time as I began to see what she couldn't see and other people were seeing what she couldn't see that her real issue was she was depending on her husband to be her life source instead of remaining in Jesus Christ and letting Jesus do the work on her husband. You see, she got it all wrong. Her life source is not Jesus. Yes, she prays for her husband. Yes, she may want her husband to step up. Yes, that may be something she's praying about. But she needs to be wired into Jesus, remaining in him, and let Jesus work on the husband. And I see her lose her faith in God. Because she feels like God dropped the ball on her husband. I see people constantly come to church. They're here for six months. Off to the next church. And they show up to church and it's like, it's the hottest thing since sliced bread. Like, man, North Church is awesome. Pastor, you're precious. I've never heard anybody preach so good. You're such a great preacher. Oh, man, this worship's great. We're loving. We're fired up. Six months later, they're off to another church. And then I find out later they went to another church six months after that and another one after that. What is happening? They're trying to find their life source in a church instead of Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you something. North Church is a wonderful place, and we're going to point you to Jesus, and we're going to provide an environment for you to connect with Jesus, but it's not about being grafted into North Church. It's about being grafted into the vine, Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. So, how do we know we're Christian? How do others know we're Christian? 
Look at verse number 8, 9 and 10. It says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love, and when you obey my commands, commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. He gives three words that's so important to understand so that you begin to evaluate, are you remaining in Christ? One is fruit. Number two is love. And number three is obedience. Three words that keep coming up. And they're not just found here in this passage. They're found throughout the Gospels. Jesus continually talks about fruit. It's by the fruit that you bear that they'll know you're his disciples, he says. In another place, he says, they will know you're my disciples by your love one for another. Continually, he will talk about obeying and obedience being a criteria for understanding that we're following after Jesus. And let me talk about just, just when it comes to reading God's word and obeying what God speaks, reading God's word is not just about finding information and inspiration. The word of God is about transformation in you because this book is alive. When it comes to prayer, your prayer life, and the Holy Spirit working, it's not about you just dumping your problems on God and say, God, I got this problem, I got this problem, I got this problem. No, it's about you open up. Not only, he, wants, he can take your worst. He can take whatever you throw his way. Give it to him. That is okay. But also let there be a transformation inside of you as you remain in him and he in you. Mm. So let me give you some of the outcome of what it means to remain in him. And the outcome of being pruned or being snipped, first off is this, you'll produce fruit. In fact, it says in here you'll produce not just fruit, you'll produce more fruit. And then it says the term much fruit. You are not fruitful, then God said, I'm going to engraft you into my vine. Now, James, it's not like you, God looks down from heaven and says, oh, James is uh, like Mr. Fruitful. Uh, he loves me. He's a great guy. He is fruitful. I'm going to invite you into my relationship. And, and I'm going to engraft you in because you are fruitful. No, no, no. Every single one of us were fruitless apart from Jesus Christ. When we were disconnected from him, every single one of us are fruitless. All of your efforts are vain efforts of attempts to try to be a good person. But all of your righteousness is like filthy rags in the sight of God. Every single one of us are useless, but when we were engrafted into the vine, Jesus Christ, then we begin to bear fruit, and not just some fruit, more fruit, and then we bear much fruit. That is what it's all about. Notice what it says here in this passage. It says, yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce, say it with me, much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Look at the person next to you and say, nothing. Look at the other person and say, no thing. You can do nothing. You can do no thing apart from Jesus Christ. Michael and Natalie Bergstrasser on our staff, terrific people. Um, you know the crazy shenanigans that Michael Bergstrasser has done on this stage. If you've been here very long at all. 
I got a picture of them here every Christmas, and this is over the last few years of their marriage. They go shopping for a Christmas tree, a live Christmas tree, put it on their vehicle, and drive home with it. So traditionalist. How many of you still do that? Anybody? Anybody? We've got well, two people in here, three people in here. Oh, my goodness. Put us to shame. And so then they drive home, and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. There's nothing like a real tree in the room. Shannon and I haven't done this in like, you know, 25 years. But it's nothing beautiful. It's just gorgeous. But here's the thing about this real tree. You can put it up in the, in the house, anywhere you want. It smells good. You know, the smell of a real tree is great. The messiness of the real tree is not good. But then you cover it up with ornaments. You put pictures on it. You put candy on it. Whatever you want to put around the Christmas tree. You put lots around it. You light it up. It's all sparkling. You come out and take pictures of it. It's looking all great, but it's still dead. Matter of fact, it's only going to last a few weeks, and you've got to get rid of it because it becomes a major fire hazard, and you're not going to leave it in your house year-round, are you? But I see that oftentimes we do the same thing spiritually. We kind of prop ourselves up and we decorate ourselves up and we try to present ourselves to a world through Instagram, through Facebook, and we buy cars, we buy homes, we buy clothes, we talk about our education, we talk about all that we have, and we're looking all great and pretty, but we are dead apart from Jesus Christ. Unless you remain in Him, it really does no good. It does zero good. Second thing is this, one of the outcomes of his snips is that whatever you ask will be granted. If you remain in him, whatever you ask for will be granted. Verse 7, Jesus says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want and it will be what? Granted. Granted. Anything. I want a new home. I want a new car. I want this. I want that. Is that really... Is that really what he's talking about? Is it really? Now, it's not that he doesn't have, you know, concern for the things that concern us. That's, that's not the point here. But I think what he is getting at throughout the Gospels, namely here, is that you're going to be asking for more fruit. Stuff that money can't buy. And think about that for just a moment. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Aren't those things really the things that really matter in life? Come on, you can have money to go buy a home, but you can't buy happiness. You can have the education to go out and get a job, but you cannot have joy. You can have all of these things in your life, but peace. Don't you want the peace of God to lay down your head at night and go to sleep? Come on, I'd rather be in a jail but be able to sleep all night and enjoy a good night's rest and get up than being in a palace and not being able to sleep every night and being tortured by my past. I'm telling you, there is a place in God where you can find a peace that passes all understanding. And what he is saying here is that you will ask for the things that really money cannot buy and that no man can take from you. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm. The third thing is this. You'll be filled with joy. The third outcome is you'll be filled with joy. Filled with joy. I got a lady in the church, Candy Jones, who is our North Kid director. Her mom, Phyllis, was, came to me 
about a year ago, wanting to have a total knee replacement. So she's just a little bit older than me. And she asked me about my experience. And I'm looking at Phyllis right now. And I'm like, I begin to kind of discourage her. I was like, well, it hurts. And you're going to go through this. And you're going to go through that. I'm giving her all the negative. And she's smiling at me. Looking, I'm going to get it done. And she was all happy about it. I'm like, lady, this is hard. It's tough. It's not fun. And she's not smiling. She gets it done. About three weeks later, after her getting her total knee, she goes walking in the church, a little limp, but she's walking in the church. And so I asked her about it. And I'm so excited to hear about her report because I'm ready for her to talk about how horrible it's been, how much pain she's been in, all that she's went through over the last three weeks. And she looks at me and she said, oh, it was awesome. I'm going to have the other one done here in about, you know, a couple of months. <laughs> Can I just admit, your pastor wasn't happy with that? Because I want somebody to be pain like me. Because you know what a total knee does? They go in. Come on. And they cut away bone. And they throw it in the trash. They haul it off some dump. There's part of me in a dump somewhere. That hurts. It's painful. You see, here's the difference, though. How she looked at the snipping process versus how I looked at the snipping process. She looked at it not for where she presently was in the pain, but for what God was going to do. And you know, when you look at the snipping process and when God works on you, remember that right now, he's preparing you. Preparing you for what? For what's to come. I don't know what it is, but he's going to get me over here. And there's going to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm over here, and he's snipping away, and I don't know what he's protecting me from, but he's protecting me from something. I don't see it. I don't know what. But I know ultimately he's removing something from me so that he can get me over here and produce something great in me. He's over here snipping away. And I'm seeming fruitful. Well, why it is you cutting away from me, God? What are you taking from me? But God's saying, no, no. I'm removing what you can't see right now because I want to produce even more fruit down the road. And you see in the now, but I see in the future. Oh, when you begin to look through the eyes and the lens of God and what he wants for you, you begin to see like Phyllis into the future and realize this momentary pain and suffering is just, just a little bit, just a little bit compared to the pleasure that I'm going to have over here. You have Paul and Silas who were thrown in prison for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thrown in prison at the midnight hour after being beaten, after being put in the, on chains, against a wall, in a cell, possibly facing death the next day. It says that they lifted their voices and began to pray and sing praises unto God. Come on, God wants you to find that place in him where you remain in him and you're not influenced and you're not shaken by the present circumstances. No, no, no. Even when you're being snipped at, even when you're being pruned back, you will still give praise unto God because you know that your present circumstances are going to be passing and fleeting and fading and God is going to get you over here and bear much fruit in your life. Notice what it says. Jesus wraps up by saying, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with. Now, there's a few of you I heard you say joy, but it's not joy. It's what? My joy. Jesus' joy. 
Jesus' joy. Come on. He didn't say your mama's joy. He didn't say your pastor's joy. You don't want your pastor's joy. You may want Phyllis's joy more than mine, but not mine. No, but not even Phyllis's joy. You want the joy that flows from Jesus Christ. As you remain in him, he will begin to give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. Notice he says, yes, your joy will what? Overflow. Give it God. Let me just say something about Jesus. Jesus will snip back. I mean, in a literal sense, he was snipped off. He steps out of eternity into time. Come on, folks. You talk about snipping, that's snipping. The God of everything becomes flesh and walks in, among us. That's a pretty hard snip. But then he makes himself available to man so that they can beat him, maim him to the point that he is unrecognizable to hang on a cross. He's snipping back. And then on the cross, everything goes black and he calls out to God said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was snipped so that you can live. Oh. He experienced that so that you can be grafted in. Father, Holy Spirit, eyes closed, please. God is speaking to individuals right now. And the Holy Spirit is saying, you are fruitless and you can't have real life what you're reaching for is fake fruit that's not going to sustain you and is not going to satisfy you. And he's wanting you to be engrafted into him. The Bible says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. Holy Spirit, fill this room your joy, your grace and mercy in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the North Church Podcast. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered by the Word of God. For more information about North Church, check out our website at north.church. There you can view more messages and join us for experiences live online. You can also subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week and remember to love God, love people, and follow Jesus.